Welcome to Dice in Mind, a podcast hosted by Brad Brown and Jason Kaufman to explore the intersection of life, games, science, music, philosophy, and creativity through interviews with leading creatives. All are welcome in this space. You know, we are breaking the fourth wall yet again. We are recording this just a matter of days before this launches. So um, this past week has been a snowy one for me for me here in the frozen mm -hmm. tundra. Um, when those days come up, those are perfect reading days yes. or what I call comfort movie days. Yes. And for me some of my favorite movies to have on, even if I'm doing something on the computer and it's yeah. sort of in the background, but I'm watching it, yeah. but I'm, I'm not fully hundred percent engaged. Starship troopers, Patton, last of the Mohicans. Oh, Patton was a great movie, but I can't, I, <laughs> when I start, when I start watching that, I can't, can't look away. I can't look away. No. Yeah. Um, did you know that there was a, there was a sequel to that, that George C. Scott did? No. Um, Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah, it it obviously wasn't as good as the first one because no one really knows about it. Knows about it. But, but but alas, that's not what you're talking about. No, no. <laughs> what but but nice nice diversion and thank you. It you worked because you know that for me, you know, my attention span. Oh, look, a squirrel. Mm -hmm. Um, the Potter movies. Yes. Um, the the what they call the Wizarding World. Yes. Um, Wizarding World movies, both all eight of mm -hmm. the Harry Potter movies mm -hmm. and the three Fantastic Beasts movies. Mm -hmm. um, I enjoy them, all of them. I'm really kind of sad that they're not going to potentially, or they're probably not going to make any further Fantastic Beasts movies. I enjoyed those. And that's it. Um, I kind of hope there's stuff down the road. Um, she's a phenomenal writer. One would argue probably prolific writer. Um, I think that's hard to say. You know, so um, to me, I also like the themes and the underlying, um, well, I guess that's just really the right word, the underlying themes in the, mm -hmm. in these, and whether you look at it from a secular perspective, or you look at it from a faith-based perspective, whether it's, you know, one's faith or not. They're a lot deeper than people realize. Yeah, and you know, as as Emily Strand, who's our our mm -hmm. guest for this episode, as she will say in a few minutes, um, you know, for her, the the whole story arc is most salient through a religious lens, which makes sense because a lot of her scholarship is in Catholicism. Yep. But but so too, I think back to our relatively recent episode, well, actually very recent episode with Ben Rogers. Right with Professor Rogers on the hero's, hero's journey. journey, and I, as as you will all not hear in the interview, I intentionally did not bring that up so as not to, you know, kind of force the conversation in a direction. But but the reality You're talking about like using the Ghostbusters term "cross the streams." You didn't want to exactly. Cross the I did. You don't cross the streams, and and even though on this podcast we are obviously fond of crossing the streams. Uh, I didn't want to do that because it was going in such an interesting direction. But the yeah. reality is that all you know, all of Harry Potter uh, can be seen through the hero's journey, right? Like Campbell That's said, a great and, point. And it thinks, and 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 the reality is, most religious texts 
can also be seen through the hero's journey, whether you want to look at them through faith or through, you know, evidence or through whatever third party you want. This is a common trope as a human species, this notion of the hero's journey, this notion of of having of encountering a challenge, having a symbolic death. Uh, like I did when I used a PC for six years I was out of necessity, and then being reborn. Man's right? a like, kid. Nice. The deep mm -hmm. cut. No, we're not mm -hmm. going to tell anyone what that means. No. Um, listen to our early episodes, really yep. early episodes. Um, pew pew. Uh, but I, I think it's just an interesting, it's an interesting thing. Now, before we hop over to the interview, Brad, we should probably address briefly why are we talking about Harry Potter? Why on Dyson Mind? Well, I, you know, you could argue multiple ways. I mean, there are games out there, um, role-playing games. There, um, I can't remember the name of it. It's quite popular. Um, the open world game um, mm -hmm. that's uh, out on PC and Mac. Oh, yeah. Um, I haven't played it. I it, Just from a cost perspective, I just, I can't justify just based off a of limited time, the cost yeah. of that game. No, no. But there's plenty out there. And even if you look out on um, Genesis, I think there's even something out on 2D20. People have an interest in role playing in this world and yeah, they, they are do. using the foundry or whatever the case is um, to develop their own right. homebrews for it. Right. Um, two, um, I think much like you, you, you summed it up better than I will. So I'll just be brief. The idea of a hero's journey fits in with the themes of all of these games all of these games yeah. and so um i still think it's worth it and let's be honest um over the past couple years maybe maybe prior decade it was more popular than any other franchise out there oh and it's still so yeah. popular right there there's talk apparently of producing a spin-off or maybe it's just a i don't know if it's a spin-off or a remake but but it's a, a reboot i think a reboot yeah of a, of the series i mean this stuff will not die and 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 that's great you know i i think about it as imagine all of the people who listen to dice and mine because they're into gaming right that's one circle on a venn diagram yep. imagine now all of the people who enjoy harry potter whether it's right, the Wizarding World, whether it's the books, the films, whatever, that's another circle. There's a lot of overlap between mm -hmm. those two circles. I would bet good, good money that we could go to any gaming con and ask who here loves the Harry Potter franchise, and we're going to get a massive nerd response. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, you know, you read, um, you All read, books, yeah, to your girls. Mm hmm. Um, mm -hmm. I've, you know, I have first editions of yeah. the books, yeah. um, which I keep very, you know, very securely out on the, the shelf. Um, you know, there, even if you just watch the films and are enamored with the wizarding world, um, take it for what it's worth. I would recommend reading the books, even if you think they too. are, um, you know, if you think they're written for 10 or 12 year olds, um, only the first. Yeah. Don't get caught in that assumption. Oh. They are well worth a read. They are book one. Book one, clearly, I think a YA novel. 
Yeah. But when you get into book two, it's rapidly apparent. This is by adults for adults. It also plays well for kids. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's kind of like, you know, you, you can love the Lord of the Rings trilogy, but you may or may not love the Hobbit because it had a different purpose. And it was, it was right. It was earlier in his incarnations. Also, before I transition over, I don't think it can be argued that, that the Harry Potter series, that that whole, that whole franchise was not informed by Tolkien. You just can't get away from it. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, what, what hasn't been informed by Tolkien in the realm of fantasy and high fantasy, although this is more the, the low fantasy, like the, the the day to day, which makes it so interesting, and I know you like that stuff so much, so I think it's yeah. cool. Yeah. All right. Well, why don't we walk on over to our interview? Emily Strand is an author, podcaster, teacher, speaker, award-winning singer-songwriter, and musician. She holds an MA in theology from the University of Dayton and has taught religion on the college level for nearly twenty years. She has published two books on Catholic sacraments and several peer-reviewed chapters and essays on the religious, symbolic, and spiritual themes in popular fiction, such as Harry Potter and Star Wars. With Dr. Catherine N. McDaniel of Marietta College, she co-hosts Potterversity, a Potter Studies podcast, a show in the MuggleNet family of podcasts. We were just talking before we hit record and um, someone mentioned we'll keep it that we're good at keeping it short. Obviously, that's people who listen to us know that that's not the case, especially when Jason talks. That's true. Um, you know, I was Jason, you and I talked about this in December. Um, for me, I find that I love watching. I could watch them, the Potter movies, including the originals mm -hmm. yep. and then the um the newer ones, uh, Fantastic Beasts movies. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a huge fan. I remember that when we went down to Florida and we went to um, Potter World. I cannot, now I'm embarrassed. I can't remember the name of it. But first thing I wanted to do is the kids wondered what happened to me because I was yeah. running like a schoolboy over to get a butterbeer. I had a butterbeer um, there too. Yeah. 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 So I'm a, Emily I, is nodding sagely at this. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting there. The point being is, is that I find, and this is sacrilege. I know, understand that. I almost, I will always put a, a Harry Potter movie on if yeah. Potter and Star Wars are running at the same time. I just prefer mm. watching that. They're so, cozy. They're, they're very cozy. cozy. Yes. yes. And yeah. and so that being said, we were talking about this. We had our guest on um, before. Yeah. Um, and totally other started, topics, yeah. totally other topics. But then we got talking about Harry Potter and we realized that there's some connection there that we'll get into. So oh. we felt it just natural to have um, Emily Strand back on with us today to talk. Yeah, thank you so much. Any and all things Potter. So thank you. Thank you for having me. It's it's an honor. It is oh. an honor. Well, we're, we're, we appreciate you. You are willing to take us to the Potterversary. See what I did there? Uh, <laughs> you know, the, this evening, because um, there's so much there's so much to talk about. But. Um, there's so much that we want to we want to talk about. I, however, I'll I'll just start with a question. Favorite Harry Potter book or film? Ooh, okay, gosh, and and obviously you know a rationale why. I I, I was ready for a character answer. I was oh, like we can so start ready with that. that. Go with go with no, that. Go now. with character. Well, 
okay, because well, it's Harry, which is it sounds really basic. I mean, it sounds like like wow, wow, couldn't you think of a different character than Harry? Um, but apparently it's fairly rare for people to say Harry is their favorite character. But really? I'm I'm all about the point of view guy. And I, you know, mm -hmm. he's kind of a Christ figure. So I'm you know, I'm like, yeah, oh, well, true. I'm naturally drawn to that, you know, as a yeah. Catholic. Um, but but book probably different answers for book and film probably um one four and seven for the book and that's my one oh, answer that's interesting one four and seven and okay. then for the film three for sure okay i can oh, see the prisoner to azkaban Goblin yeah Fire for i can book. see the film yeah what one four and seven in terms of the excuse me in terms of the, of the books they're very different novels they really are, but they are so one in seven are the bookends and they yep. have a lot to say to each other in terms of the symbolism okay. and the Fair. plot, you know, the, the different things that are going on in it thematically. And then four is the pivot point where the whole series turns from this very kind of childlike, you know, very cozy, yeah, right. you know, uh, story to something much darker and much deeper and that it's, it's a gateway into the rest of the series and so so there's a lot going on and and that to me makes it fascinating i felt like you know and and you know original books came out obviously um you know a couple decades ago now they've won people didn't realize that they were written at a time in effect in the 90s they were written mm -hmm. during they were written where it was occurring in the nineties and you could see how the story matured. And I don't mean it being simplistic It matured as, the, as the characters matured. Absolutely. So, yeah. so book one was much lighter, you know, book seven, very dark yet hopeful. And, uh, yeah, right. And literally lighter, you know, yeah. too. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> literally heavier, you know, <laughs> yeah, to put I mean, words in your mouth. <laughs> and I have, I have the originals up there and i i told yeah. when we were looking at cleaning off the bookshelf i said we aren't getting rid of those Absolutely. oh no classics no. Keep, keep that not. right next to the c.s lewis and you know you'll, you'll, those you'll are kind of fine. migrated around my house over the years <laughs> yeah <laughs> what what attracted you you know because obviously you've got um you know in in us talking before that that kind of sci-fi type of of interest what attracted you to this to the Potterverse, to yeah. Harry and the stories. Yeah. That's really interesting because sci science fiction definitely came later for me after oh. I had immersed in in the Harry Potter books. So yeah, my family, when we, we grew up, my parents were not um, speculative fiction people. Like they were mm -hmm. not science fiction people. They were not fantasy people. They thought all that was a little bit hooey. They were very, you know, open-minded about other things, but they were like, no, realistic fiction, classics. We read the classics, all kinds of things. So we didn't read any kind of, I didn't have any Ray Bradbury in the house. I didn't have, you know, there was nothing like that. And so when I was in graduate school, after my first semester at University of Dayton, we had read like, you know, kind of what seemed to us an absurd amount. We were cohorted into this little group. And so all of us were, were buddies and, and uh, we had read a sort of absurd amount of dense, what we thought of as very dense theological texts. And um, a good friend of mine gave me the three books at the end of the semester. And she said, I don't, I don't know where she's she's originally from Ghana. She had just completed her undergrad here in Columbus, Ohio, and she had gone to Dayton for and she gave me these three books. And she said she's a big reader. She's just a literary person. She said, here, this will be like brain candy for you. Like, you know, this will be like a little break. 
Mm-hmm. I loved these. These were great. You know, I know you'll like them. And I burned through them and, and they were, they were exactly like the kind of like levity that my brain needed and and the kind of adventure. And yet it was still meaty, you know, it was still mm. something very substantive. And, and so I really, I really loved them, but I didn't, I definitely didn't become, you know, a super fan right away. I, uh, fandom itself was new to me. So I wasn't like a, really a fan of things other than like, I don't know, Joni Mitchell and <laughs> James Taylor and, and Jackson Brown and things like that. So, um, so I just kind of went about my business and they all kept coming out. I remember sitting, reading four and getting really wrapped up in that story and really, I mean, really freaked out, almost freaked out the way <laughs> I, I got freaked out at Stephen King books when I was in the seventh grade, you know? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. And, and um, so, so I got really kind of hooked, but you know, the delay in them coming out and I was busy. I was in grad school. I was pursuing, I, you know, we were talking earlier, I had a music career that I was pursuing and yeah. writing songs and performing and, um, so I didn't think too much of them, but then, you know, podcasting became a thing. And so this all kind of right. dovetails for me. So I started listening to podcasts and one of the very early MuggleNet had some podcasts already. And one of them was MuggleNet Academia mm. and, Ooh. uh, with Keith Hawk and John Granger, and they interviewed different guests. It's very, honestly, it's a very similar for- format. Our, our show Potterversity is yeah. a, uh, a descendant of that show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm direct descendant. And um, so I would I would be listening to these podcasts and I would be, you know, shouting my end of the conversation, <laughs> you know, as I ran around the track. Right. <laughs> Everyone's like, what is her problem? You know? <laughs> so I was just, I loved the discussability of them, you know, everything that, you know, everything that makes Oprah Book Club books awesome. You know, it's it's the discussability, the relatability, the the can't put it down, you know, the the um great as a movie adaptation, you know, all of those things really attracted me. And and then by the time the series really matured, as you said earlier, um, I realized how related it was to what I was studying, which is the Christian mystery. You know, I mean, that's that was at the heart of what I was studying, uh, being somebody studying liturgy and, and ritual, Christian ritual, um, that it it was just like, oh my gosh, this is like gold that I can use to teach undergrads yeah. what these concepts really look like in a person their age. <laughs> you know, it was kind of like this gift mm-hmm. from gift from above, it seemed like. So, so, you mean, you so mean yeah, Dumbledore. that was, well, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, Dumbledore for sure, but then also Harry, you know, yeah. um, and yeah. also Ron and also, you know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of manifestations of, of kind of Christian theology. I mean, Lily, Lily Potter is such a manifestation of, of what, how Christians view Mary and the role she plays as being kind of this gateway through which the magical, the feel, you know, the divine came into the world. And I, I always see Harry Potter, the magic in Harry Potter as a metaphor, a larger metaphor for the numinous. In the same way Tolkien put fairy as a metaphor for the numinous in his thinking and his mm-hmm. stories. And that kind of came out as, as okay, all of a sudden we're, this is a gateway to the divine and this character is going into have a, a divine adventure. adventure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's a long answer to a short well, question. That, but that's, but that, I mean, that's awesome. So, uh, you know, and you're not just pontificating, right? You're not just riffing as a podcaster. I mean, you are a scholar of these studies. And so I'm curious from that perspective, maybe this is obvious and I just don't see it or don't know, how much of that do you think was intentional in mm. Rowling's writing versus 
it was simply present because that was probably the background. You know what I mean? Like how much mm -hmm. of it became manifest versus versus maybe there was greater intention. There was a greater purpose behind that. Yeah, I, I, I wish I knew the answer to that question. Probably she would be the only person to really be able to tell you. And, I, and I'm going to be, <laughs> I don't think she'd be honest about it. <laughs> I think she likes yeah. to get very cagey with her answers to things. She likes yeah. to keep her cards very mm -hmm. close yep. to her chest. So we will never know. <laughs> we will never know the answer to that question, the honest answer. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think that much of it was intentional. There, there's some a lot of the symbolism that she uses um like naming harry's mother lily you know making her muggle born right i mean these are just parallels to right. the christian story where where the origins of jesus the human origins of jesus are oh, and you know right this young woman from this persecuted class of people and dad know. is james isn't he and dad is james never saw that before and James mm. is not really, you know, I mean, so in, in the in the Christ analogy, you know, Joseph is not really a blood father to Harry, mm -hmm. but he has this lineage that he shares with Harry. And so James has this, fills the same function. You know, Harry comes from this mixed heritage of muggle-born and purebred, you know, somebody who comes from one of the, one of the very good families and mm -hmm. has this, mm -hmm. even has this magical accoutrement that he passes down to Harry, this cloak right. of invisibility that's, you know, one of these magical artifacts from of old. And, um, and, and James also doesn't really play in the story, he doesn't really play a blood father sort of role. That role is given to Dumbledore for Harry. Right. And so, and, and, and of course, Dumbledore is very much a God figure, like, like a, a Hebrew scriptures God figure where the goal is, you know, for the main character, they have to die to themselves to um, really trust in the will of this person, even when that will is shrouded and mysterious. So, so all of these things, you know, they just kind of lit up my, my, my young brain and, and uh, yeah. So again, could, another long I, answer to a short question. No, no, I, I could see, I could see a university of Dayton going through, you know, Summa Theologica or Francois Fenelon, and then switching over to J.K. Rowling. Um, <laughs> that's like a huge. I mean, that's like a you know, fork in the road. Um, but the way you way you talk about mm -hmm. it, um, it it's gonna. It, next time I read it, I'm gonna have to look at it differently. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting is is because. And, and this probably has nothing to do with it. It's just something that came up in the back of my head. You know, she grew up in a, in a, in a country that's predominantly Anglican. Right. Um, and there are obvious parallels between the Anglican church and the mm -hmm. Catholic church. Um, and even some with Anglican with a little bit of the Protestant movement. Um, but this idea, whether she, whether she was doing it or not, it's a cultural thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um mm -hmm. You know, and I would I would politely push back on the idea that it is predominantly Anglican. I mean, I oh, think really? on okay. the surface, I mean, I, just having been there and having been me there, you know, I have been treated like a weirdo over there. You know, I mean, they somebody asks me what I do and I start talking and they're like, oh, God, I've asked one of those evangelical Americans what they, you know, <laughs> they're going to try to convert me, you know? Mm -hmm. And so there's, there's, I mean, and maybe I wasn't hanging around the right people. I don't know, but there is a kind of staunch secularism over there. And so 
to espouse these things publicly um, is is not done. It's it's overly kind of overly emotional and overly you know it's 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 not part of the fabric. And that's why I love her kind of division between the muggles and the magical folks because magic is everywhere. It's 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 hidden, mm -hmm. but it's hidden in plain sight. And, you know, this divide between these people who believe and these people who have an opportunity to believe, but choose to make excuses for it and don't, you know, it's, it's very interesting. It's very, it's very interesting way to cast all this. And so back to your question about whether she intended it, some of it, sure. I mean, again, like giving, uh, you know, Lily the name Lily, which has mm -hmm. long been a flower symbol for Mary, you know, but then this muggle magic thing and magic as this metaphor for the divine, I'm not sure yeah. that that was intentional. I, I Maybe it was just kind of what poured forth, you know, when yeah. she, in her compost heap in her head, you know, um, started writing this story. I'm waving my wand so that if my magic works, it's it's going to keep Jason from talking the rest of the time. But <laughs> I, one could, what, I, I don't think. There I don't is think a smell for that. Yeah. There I'm is not sure no it works magic across power. Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> Silencio. I have a permanent Patronus against that. It okay. just doesn't, Very good. It doesn't work. But there's um, a setting in Zoom. It's <laughs> a permanent Patronus. Well, we were, we were just talking about settings because now it, when you do Zoom, let's see if it works. <laughs> okay. Oh, is. yeah. This is oh. So, what oh, fortunately, wow. what the listeners can't see because we're audio only is fireworks over Brad, which is like the oversell of the century. Okay. So, <laughs> back to intentionality, though. So, presumably intentionally. So, you and your colleague, Katie McDaniel, you obviously have the Potterversary podcast, which is just yes. so interesting. Am but I then, allowed to stop? Can you edit this out if I correct you and say it's Potterversity? Oh, I'm Instead sorry. Potterversity. Yeah. I've been reading Potter-versity, yes. Hold on a second. So did okay. I get the book title? Oh, okay. Potter. Wait, what did I say? Potterversity is the book title. Yes. Potterversity and Potterversity? Yes. Yeah, Same okay. thing. Yeah. Way to do, way to do the, the homework there, Doc. Nice Wait, job. what did I say? Potterversary. Oh, like rhymes sorry. with anniversary. Oh, that's a new one. I had it right before we logged on. Oh, well, I will take my meds tonight and it'll be fine. I, no I am one. somebody in the I was in a podcast recently where somebody said the title of our Star Wars book totally wrong the entire time. But he was so gracious and so wonderful. I was just like, I just I can't correct him. I can't. So I made a point of saying it right the last. I don't want to correct him. I, was like, no. I should really self advocate. I should self you, yes, you should. I mean, you should be. No, yeah, absolutely. Things. So, OK, yeah. so Potter versus. Um, no, pot, I'm looking it. at the title. I got it right. No, you just said no. Potterversary. I said Potterversary. Oh my no. god! No, you didn't. I'm having a full on senior. Hold moment. on, hold you on. You did just, just then, though. Just you point your just finger, then. and I'll say it. Potterversity. Okay, so Potterversity. The, there we go. The, the edited anthology. Wow. <laughs> yes. Potterversity. 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 Okay, good. So, good, good. um, essays exploring the world of Harry Potter. Just kidding. So, um, with with. <laughs> With the with the edited anthology from McFarland, uh, Potterversity. So that just, I mean, we had talked a bit about this with you last time, but that is we're recording because it's January and this will this will drop right around then. Um, this came out late, late last year in 2023. Um, if if you want, let's shill it. I mean, let's talk about it because it's so cool. You know, you you had this anthology uh, uh, around Star Wars. You had another one with Star Trek, but this is about right the broader Potterverse. I'm curious what. What drove the two of you 
to want to do that. And, um, you know, add an anthology around this when you already have this really well-received podcast and, and like, were you looking for something specific? Were you hoping for a certain type of, of essay when you, when you started this project? Um, great question. And, um, Yes, selfishly, yes. I'll I'll get to that. Um, yeah. So so we were actually approached by a publisher to um, put together a proposal based on the podcast. Mm -hmm. So it actually didn't end up being the publisher who published the book, which is McFarland, and we love McFarland, and mm -hmm. McFarland's been a great partner in in this. Um, but it was a different publisher, and so it, you know that didn't work out. But but this has, and so so we didn't really think of it, but we we sure as soon as the person suggested it, we were like, oh my gosh, that's a great idea, you know. So what what we did is we just decided to, you know, I guess we thought we were maybe making it easier on ourselves, but also. Um, we just we have had so many wonderful guests on the show that um, we knew right away that several of them had chapters, had ideas for, for chapters or essays or presentations, or we had seen them give presentations live at uh, often at Chestnut Hill College, uh, Harry Potter Academic Conference every year. Um, that we we knew if we just tapped these people and said, "Will you write this up?" and we'll put you know let's let's do a let's do a book. Um, and then the question of how do you make a book based on a podcast? You know, how do you make that book distinctive? You know, Katie and I talked it through, and we had a couple of different ideas. But what we ended up doing is just gathering our our um, essayists in little small groups of of two and three. And um, putting them together and putting the ideas, sending them their each other's chapters in advance and putting the ideas kind of in conversation with e each other and then yeah. recording that. And we actually have those episodes are just about to start releasing now. Oh, that's cool. We have, okay. Yeah, we have transcripts, partial transcripts of just kind of the meat, the meaty parts of them yeah. um, following those two chapters in the book. So it ends up being really, I think it ends up working really well because the the conversations after each set of essays really kind of draw out some of the major themes. Oh, can that's I, really neat. Can I backtrack here? Because I'm both of your writers, I am not. Um, for me personally, the idea of, and I read a lot of these during my master's programs, anthologies um, related to individuals, themes, theories, whatever. Um, so I find that, and Jason and I've talked about this, that they really show a way to be diverse, but still on the same theme. In general, maybe you alluded to this before, but for those listening that aren't writers, what drew you to the idea, even going back to the other ones, of yeah. doing anthology type of, yeah. of publishing? Good question. Mm -hmm. um, probably, again, you know, pu publishers are out there looking for, we've talked about this, publishers are out there looking for books, uh, you know, really parsing popular culture franchises and helping to get the kind of educated, um, but maybe non-academic reader engaged in academic writing. And so, so you know, <laughs> If I'm being totally honest, you know, prompts from publishers helped me think about doing it this <laughs> yeah. way. You know? Oh, yes, I guess I could. But like you, I mean, I've read a lot and I've enjoyed a lot. I'm reading one right now um, and it's hit or miss, you know, and, and like one essay is, you know, really good. And then three essays will be like, you know, so I guess what really drove me is um, the desire to have a volume that was just full 
of super strong insights articulated strongly, strongly and accessibly, you know, in one place. And, and so that's, that's always my motivating factor. You know, um, both Amy Sturgis and I, who, who we together edited those two um, Star Trek and Star Wars books, and then Katie McDaniel. And it's funny because Katie and Amy are actually really good friends personally. They they went to graduate school together, oh, and yeah. so they're they're oh. like besties. And I'm just like crashing their their whole relationship. You know, I'm just seriously <laughs> kind of you, constantly bothering the, them. You've become the ringleader. I have. No, I don't know about that. Strings. No, I'm like the youngest child who's following them around going, can I do what you guys do? You guys are so cool. Um, <laughs> so, They're both in we, the background like, she'll do it. <laughs> yeah, just make her, ooh, make her eat this. Yeah. <laughs> so, but no, but we all three kind of had the mindset of the theme is less important to us you know, in terms of submissions and submissions and looking at people's submissions, the theme, any kind of theme we might have in our heads is less important to us than the strength of the idea that sits at the core of the proposal. And, yeah, and right. um, that had to make us go, Ooh, wow. You know? Um, yeah. And, you know, and sometimes it took, you know, like you see the kernel of that in there, maybe even, with a little bit more clarity than the writer at first, you mm -hmm. know, and they're kind of like, maybe that would be interesting. And you're like, yeah, go in this direction, please. It so needs to be done, you know, and then to have people who are willing to, to take that kind of collaboration and to, to act on it and to act. So, I mean, all of these writers just knocked it all out of the park. I mean, I'm just, I'm so pleased with how all of these books turned out. And, and again, that desire you know, the, the the uniting theme is like, we all love Harry Potter, you know, we all we all want to talk about Harry Potter, you know, um, and, and, you know, the discussability of these books. Um, and, and the same thing with Star Wars and the same thing with Star Trek, but but really having all those different voices sitting in dialogue with each other, um, coming from diverse perspectives and diverse disciplines is just so thrilling to me um, as a as a reader, you know, that I, I wanted to read more books like that. So, <laughs> so I, I think I mean, you look at it as from a companion as a companion perspective, if you're a fan of those books. Yeah, you know, there are, you know, I mean, there's like, you know, the science of books for some of the the sci-fi things mm -hmm. and, and getting people's different perspectives, just in us talking now, you know, I'm going to be looking at the movies and, and thinking from those themes um, just along with that. I think we kind of touched on it before, just because you have your academic background for Potter versity. There it is. Um, what are the traditional and kind of topics that you might touch on Um during the podcast for those that haven't haven't heard it yet. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Um so again basically stuff we think is interesting. <laughs> so, yeah. you know. I mean, sometimes we'll say, "Oh gosh, we haven't had anybody talking about vampires, you know. So let's let's talk about vampires, you know." Or yes. or, you know, so sometimes we'll think about a topic and a lot of times for those we call on people who've you know, friends of the show who right. we know are, would have a good, you know, perspective on yeah. that. But then other times, um, Katie and I went to uh, LeakyCon, which is a big Harry Potter uh, fan yeah. convention. Um, it was in Chicago this past summer, and we we presented, did a, a live podcast at LeakyCon, which was fun. And, but we heard a fantastic presentation in one of the other, you know, sections um, from an astrophysicist 
about the astronomy in Harry Potter and how well-founded it is in many places and and the various names that come from astronomy. And um, and she really got into some deep, fairly deep weeds, you know, about astrophysics and yet brought it to life with the with the books and with what happens in the books, you know, to show mm. how obvious, how obviously deeply read and, you know, um, it's scientifically somewhat scientifically engaged the author is, you know, and, and we were just like, oh my gosh, you know, we, we were sitting there writing her questions on, you know, for the podcast, like while yeah. we listened to her presentation. Yeah. So we just kind of glommed onto her afterwards and she, we just released her, um, uh, her last name is oh. Bright. You know, it's like what what a what a great name for an astrophysicist, oh, yeah. bright. You know, um, so she she was just on the podcast, and it was a, a great episode. So so things like that will happen, or will a lot of times we get a lot of ideas. I've mentioned the um, Harry Potter Academic Conference at Chestnut Hill College, that is an annual thing. They're moving to a uh, one year in person, one year uh, yeah, hybrid, I, um, yeah. or one year online yeah. model. Um, so, so, so that's been a great source. I mean, a lot of times we can get topics just either from seeing presentations or yeah. having conversations with people, wow. we can get, you know, topics for almost an entire, you know, podcasting year. So, um, yeah, so, so really we're very eclectic. We're very just mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, we tell our listeners, Hey, Potterversity podcast at gmail.com. If you have a fabulous idea, you know, awesome. talk to us about it. So a lot of feminist angles, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of different, you know, mar- you know, angles of marginalized groups of people in the, it's great. We love it. Bring it on. We will okay. do it. Okay. So let's, let's bring Hold it on, Jace, before, oh, okay, just yeah, before yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just have one question left because if I don't ask it, then yeah, Jason will get lost and my wand isn't working. Not working. Sorry. Um, Zoom protection. Um, so obviously we're going to have to have you back at some point because we got to talk music. We talked about this a oh, little yeah, bit yep. record. So mm-hmm. I won't, I'll tease that and say we have a lot of music discussion, just conjecture on your part. So we've, you know, we finished the movies. There's okay. the, yeah. the play out there, obviously. Yes. Um, there <laughs> are three fantastic beasts movie from what I'm seeing. They aren't going to do the other two. I yeah. Think. Sounds like not like, conjecture on your part. Where do you think the franchise goes from here? Well, I don't know if you've heard about the television adaptation of that's what that's, that's, that's what I was that's yes. what I was trying to explain in the car, Brad. I I knew something was coming. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So so there is so um and and forgive me, I don't always know. I think it has something to do with HBO. The platform is there a new platform that's Max. coming? From yeah, they, yeah, call, that they call it Max, Max, but it's the same thing. They're buying everything right now. Yeah. Right. Well, I think it's meant to be one of their, you know, flagship productions in the way that Mando was a flagship production for Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's what's coming down the pike. Now, do I know anything about production and whether they've started it or I don't know, you know, um, I, I don't follow these things too closely. But but right now there's a big debate among the fandom. And, I, you know, maybe it's less. Actually, it's probably just among the very you know the very engaged fandom right um whether or not it's even a good idea it seems like some people feel like their movies are being taken away from them with this adaptation um and you know and yeah i can see i can see that at the Mm -hmm. same time i'm kind of a more stuff sort of fan i'm like you know this is never a bad problem to have to, to have more stuff to take a look at and think about and and uh, and I love the idea of a long form project to ad- uh, adapt these right. these stories because right. they do seem to call for that. 
Um, so, so that is, is a real big question mark in terms of what's that going to do to the fandom? Is it going to divide the fandom, unite the fandom? Is there any way mm -hmm. to unite a fandom these days? I don't know. Um, you know, so, so it's, it's very interesting to see. And of course, you know, she's got a lot more books in her. Um, and, and you know, I, they're, they're pretty amazing. You know, I'm not a huge fan of her, um, I've read with all the, the mystery the, novels. With the Robert Galbraith, is that Robert right? Galbraith, yes, yeah. her pen name there, and she writes these books. Um, Corman Strike and Robin Ellicott are the detectives. Um, and I ha I've been kind of like, yeah, I keep up with them. They're, they're really entertaining. Yeah, I get them from the mm -hmm. library, you know. Mm -hmm. And this last one, I could not put that thing down. I mean, oh, interesting. I, oh. I was I was shocked at how absorbed I was in this book. I mean, I, I really don't think I've been that absorbed in a book since probably Deathly Hallows. Wow. So, right. So she's got more of that magic up her sleeve. And yeah. um, so it'll be interesting to see where it goes. That's yeah. my non-answer. Uh, no, no, no. Yeah. yeah, it's just, it's interesting to hear from those that are, that are ingrained in that universe where they think. And that's actually a great point. You know, is, is the long form series going to be oriented more for, like adults and i don't mean that in like a rated r way i just mean is it going no, to versus be... like ya yeah right. yeah yeah right. you know and maybe the movies become the ya type of entrance into that mm -hmm. but also let's be mm -hmm. honest you know the kids now you know if you put a 20 year old movie on um you know it it, it doesn't you know they aren't there with their phone. i don't no one in the phone is doing this in the movie so right, i don't know right, my, I my, know. my daughters are right young adults i mean 16 and 18 and they watch a lot of 90s movies mm. and a lot of aughts movies like some of those mm. and and not the ones you'd expect right some of those have staying power right, right. yeah <laughs> they, they do i don't i don't disagree with that i just think it might maybe this mm. is a way to bring another generation in that might just mm -hmm not have gotten you know my yeah, nieces hopefully. wait my nieces right. waited in line for six and seven but for the books right. i remember right. that mm -hmm. um you know they haven't experienced i mean what kid now has experienced waiting in line in a bookstore right right i know. Book, and, you know and these are the people who seem not all of them there's many who are just like yeah give me more stuff but there are many who feel very nervous about oh, yeah the new TV show disrupting any of those kinds of memories, you know, and those kind that kind of commitment to the franchise. And I mean, in all fairness, like that, it's like I can see it because so many of the other franchises, uh, the big ones in sci-fi and hit and, and, and fiction, uh, fantasy. Don't don't mess with canon. They've that's what, that's well, yeah, exactly. They've right, like you look. I mean, you've got the the rings of power. You have foundation. You've got, and they're not even pretending that they're following the story anymore, but at least they're using the names. Right? I heard that. Uh, actually, I, did, I didn't partake because I was it's like, actually, oh, I need it's to read the beautifully books. done. And Is it's it? like visually, it's actually really, really well worth it. You just, hmm. you have to, I, I found as someone who like grew up on Asimov, okay, mm -hmm. I, you, you have to just accept with the first episode. This is something new. It's inspired by, it's clearly not meant to be it. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. if you can make that transition, like it was easier for season two, like they were so far off the rails. It's like, oh yeah, this is a really cool story in its own right. But you've got those, 
I mean, you look like you said, man, the Mandalorian, right? A friend of ours just posted on Facebook today. Um, for those of you listening, if you don't know, that's Twitter for old people. So uh, they posted <laughs> that one of the upcoming Star Wars movies, right? One of those three is the Mandalorian and Grogu, which does sound like it comes from the Muppets. But like, like, you know, you look at what all like all of the big many of the big franchises are doing this. And so although I don't agree, I share the concern. Or I, I I understand the logic. I understand the apprehension that, yeah, you are, like you said, Brad, going to mess with canon. Don't mess with canon. Right. Um, okay. So to pivot for a moment, I'm not going to ask the question I had before, but I, because it, it, it's, it, we're, we're coming up to that point. So before we take a pinch of the flu powder, uh, a question for you then, Emily, because you've been deeply immersed in all of this Potterversity stuff. If you were at Hogwarts, Hmm. studying what do you think would be your favorite class what would you what, oh that you... that didn't even barely even got it out <laughs> what house what house gryffindor okay oh. that's even faster okay gryffindor. that's even faster okay why transfiguration um yeah to me um I don't know. There's something even more magically divine about it. I mean, you're changing stuff into stuff. You're changing yourself into something else. And you know what's so at the core of the of the of the whole series is that alchemy that that alchemy yeah. of Harry, who we're all invited to inhabit. You know, like we're invited to inhabit Luke Skywalker right. in in Star Wars. But we're all invited to inhabit Harry, and Harry's story is one of, of, of the most profound kind of transfiguration, which is of the loss, the complete loss of your own kind of self-regard, your self-consciousness, so that you are kind of this empty vessel with which to love and save others. And so there's this constant changing going on there's this constant alchemy going on this constant magical transformation going on that to me just makes transfiguration sound like it doesn't surprise me to hear that dumbledore was a transfiguration professor you know I'm like of course he was he's god <laughs> now now before i try to wave my imaginary wand and turn jason like ron weasley did into Oof. a uh, a cup with a tail hanging out in the end of it. Um, that was, that was, uh, that was second movie. Um, as long as he's not going to eat slugs. Oh yeah. yeah I was, yeah, I was just be, thinking about Jason that. would do that to me back. I if know you it. excuse me, I'm going to go vomit some slugs, but I'll be right back. Yeah. yeah. I'm waving my <laughs> wand again. Um, so squelchy. No, thank you. Thank you so much. We could, we could go on about this for uh, hours and next time we'll talk about, Amazing. I think the topic of conversation could be, uh, Quidditch and the dangers it 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 um it I can't even say it now. And, I'm just our Quidditch and, discussion before we started scared. I know me we didn't get I'm... didn't even get there. We we could also we could just do an episode on the musical motifs in canon in world ooh, between ooh. Harry Potter, Star Wars, and Star Trek. Oh my role, gosh! Well, the roles they played. I mean, that would be like a fourteen-hour episode, but still, that would that seriously. would. We might need a musicologist with us because oh. that's some that's some right, brainiac stuff. Yeah, that is. Oh, I would. Some, I actually know one. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh really? Bring them on. Yeah, there are some really cool podcasts kind of picking apart John a lot of John Williams's music. You oh, know. Um, yeah. Yeah, and and showing how you know different 
things fit together. Yeah, it's all, oh, it's so. all so cool. So I, I, I benefit from those. But yes, yes. And Quidditch, the thing about Quidditch is you don't have to be too scared of Quidditch because it's meant to be symbolic. Okay, so I'll just leave you with that. That's, that's your little tease. For the next I don't know, running around running around with a broom while Jason's trying to hit me with a bat doesn't sound like my idea of <laughs> a lot of fun. Just another day back in Milwaukee. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I guess. I get a call from Jay. I'm coming back into town. I'm leaving. Yeah. You, um, you, actually, you, if he hits you directly with the bat, he's breaking right, that, the rules. That's, <laughs> that's fall, right. It's it's all I'm gonna send the bludger after you. And and I'll be quite honest with you, the 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 odds of Jason actually hitting a ball with the bat are pretty small. So yeah, I don't do sports. I'm, I've heard I'm, about them. Yeah, yeah. It's I'm, not a thing. I, yeah. pr- I feel pretty safe. Yeah, Emily, should. thank you so much for yeah, taking the time so with us much. tonight. So thank much you. Thanks we for could, having me. We could go on, but I want to. We want to be cognizant of time. We already know what our next episodes are going to be with you when you come <laughs> right. back. I love it. I we love it. Planned them. So again, thanks so much for us. And okay. best wishes with all of yes. the books, especially this most recent one. That's so cool. Thank you so much. So just so we're clear, Potterversity, right? Potterversity. Okay. I just wanted to make that clear. Normally, normally you don't. Normally I talk really good. Yeah. 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 Um, so that was funny. And and Emily was gracious about it. <laughs> she was um, so kind. <laughs> so that it was it was one of the funny moments. Um I phenomenal conversation. And obviously we record our intro outro a couple of days after. Um, the discussion about faith and the parallels to me, I found interesting, um, even not being in that arena. Yeah. Um, I think in many ways you can look at multiple, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm versed in multiple different religions, but you could, you with very little research, you could see how they, um, they have that hero's journey. And I think you mentioning yeah. that in our intro was, um, I don't think you, I don't, I don't think there was a better piece to our intro than that. Um, you know, and I think, you know, Emily always so gracious, um, always a fun time. I mean, this is our second time with her. Yeah. Always a phenomenal discussion. Yeah. She always has a lot to say. Yeah, and very, very kind for her to join us again. Yeah, so thank you very much, Emily. Now, since we are in the GM corner, and I know the answer to this, what's okay. been on your desk as of late? Well, I'm going to tease. Um, I'm going to tease that, um, well, first of all, I think I've told you that I've been looking at Mark Miller's Traveler 5 yeah. um, opus. That was the term we were talking about. I was. Oh, I that's what Magnum you were Opus. For. Magnum Opus. Monium Opus. Yeah. Yes. That's um, way more impressive than something that's penultimate. But I digress. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Curse your office. That just because I find that it's such a fascinating read. It's not something we'll play anytime soon. Um, our direction will be mongoose just because of um, the ease in which we can get into it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, Dr. Lynn Hardy. Um, came out. This was something that I picked up over uh, the the post Thanksgiving shopping rush. Mm-hmm. Um, Cogs, cakes, and sword sticks, and it's yeah. <laughs> um, and it's and and she they, she talks about um, you know this is you know can be used in the comfort of your favorite tea shop with your friends, requiring nothing more than imagination, a pen, a napkin, and a sugar cube. Um, so. 
she had my interest there. But um, thanks to um, our friend Troy at Green Ronin, um, we've both received um, the second edition of uh, Fantasy Age RPG. Troy, everyone at Green Ronin, thank you very much. Yes, it, it you were, I mean, more than kind to do that. Um, so in future episodes, we'll talk about it. We have some um, plans around bringing someone in, perhaps someone we've talked to before. Hint, um, hint, nudge, nudge, you know who you are. Yep. Uh, talking about the the fantasy age and the age mechanic. Yep. I said to you beforehand, um, this, this game has given me some interest again in playing in the high fantasy world. Uh, just as an aside, or not an aside perhaps, but as to sidestep before we get into that, uh, it should be noted the Fantasy Age second edition core rule book is gorgeous. Oh yeah. It yes. just just is, I mean, this is, you know, Green Ronin, they've put out a lot of really, obviously really good material, but being, you know, their most recent, you can see the effort that went into this. You can see the evolution that went into this. This is a whole other level of production. It's so good. And there's 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 a little more meat to the book. Yeah. I, I told you beforehand, I'm a big fan of a one volume tome. Yep. With as much info yep. as possible. Yep. And this has Agreed. both the player's material and the, the game master's material. Um in one volume um the gm um kit yeah. is also that's pretty cool it's 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 a really well done yeah a uh, toolkit so like a, a uh, future true episode a... oh no go ahead go ahead i was just gonna say future episodes we'll talk more about it but um we had to talk about it just because we had to be we there we we had to tell Green Ronin thank you because it was yeah, very generous. We we will be like you said we will be talking more about this. We we literally literally as we're recording just got our copies, so we we need a little time to get into into the book into the game uh, amongst ourselves before we can say anything even remotely worthwhile. For, for Dyson Mind. Uh, but that said, I mean, you all know who are listening. If you listen to any of our episodes, you know how closely we look at, at RPG books of all stripes, especially rule books and source books in terms of writing, but as well uh, art, production value, printing. Yeah. There are very, very, very few books that have gotten A pluses Per our metrics, um, and, and that's including most of the games we love. Um, most of them don't do that. Uh, some do and do it wonderfully well. This is one of them. This is yeah. just this is just lovely work. So more to come. Thanks, Troy. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. What about um, the only other thing that I want to talk about at some point, and I and I've been digging in the game on a top, uh, kind of at a, a higher level, is um, one of modifius's early ip uh successes and it's the john carter of mars rpg yeah you've been um, you've been digging around with that yeah and this is one where the books were um written in the 1880s and through the 1940s right, so they were right. looking at space and sci-fi and fantasy um at a time where it was just being born yeah and, and even pre 
born. Liberating the canals of Mars and all that good yeah, stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and if you want to talk about hero's journey, um, this is a prime example of it. So I'll leave it there. Um, down the road, I'll have more info on it. What about you? Um, you know, from well, a reading or yeah. a gaming perspective. Uh, well, as you know, more high fantasy. Um, you and I have been talking about this offline for quite some time. Uh, and, and I'm, I'm almost there. Um, so I think we mentioned this maybe in a previous episode. Uh, I'm pretty sure we did, but, uh, back, uh, maybe the very end of November when, uh, maybe the first weeks of December when the sales were crazy, I think it was still November, uh, you and I were each able well, I did. I and, and then then days later you sent me your order confirmation. Uh, oh, I know where you're going now. You know. Um yeah. I picked up a copy of that new printing, that special printing of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Uh the one and it's just it's stunning. And it turns out they also now uh have released the Hobbit and a Silmarillion in similar ones. Uh but but I picked it up because I got it on Amazon. I'm let's be call what it is for an exceptional sale. And oh, I've been, yeah. yeah, I, right. I mean, a, an, an exceptional sale, like around a third of the price. And I had admired that since I first saw it in a local bookstore, which is now closed maybe two years ago, I think a year and a half ago when it came out, we we're still in the okay. pandemic. We were just starting to go into places with masks. I saw a physical copy it was gorgeous. And I thought, I just can't justify it. I have it. I've read it. Yeah. This, though, was so gorgeous that when I saw that price, boom, that was it. I ordered it. It's been sitting on my shelf for a couple months. And, you know, reading The Lord of the Rings, again, it's a bit of a commitment. Oh, yeah. Uh, but all of this talk from you for the past two months about Fantasy Age 2 uh, that coupled with the awareness of this volume, this this printing, um, that's what's been on my shelf. So I'm planning on as early as the end of, of this coming weekend, I'm going to start the Fellowship of the Ring. And you know what? I'm looking forward to it. It's it's a beautiful book. And once I get through some of the backlog of material that um, I had out and just and decided to focus elsewhere for the holidays, um, now I'm back in it. And I would say probably um, within the month, I'm going to start it as well. Yeah, good, good. And of course, at some point, you know, we're all going to be talking about the one ring again, because we keep bringing that up. It's yeah. all it's it's like, like the eye of Sauron, it's inexorably, slowly, subtly bringing us toward that inevitable conclusion that right. we will have to get and play that game. And for those that you don't know, Jason has a striking resemblance to Gollum. I have no comment. <laughs> My precious. <laughs> well, on oh. that note, on that note, as always, <laughs> thanks for being with us. Uh, we wish you still a happy, healthy, meaningful, productive new year because it's still January for a little bit longer. Be well, stay well. We'll see you next week. <laughs>